Hey everybody, welcome back to the Unafraid Podcast. It's me again, Jay. Same person that's with you every week, and I absolutely love you guys. Love talking with you, and love talking to all the wonderful guests that we have on here. Let's see, today is kind of a cold and rainy Michigan morning. Um, it, it's not it's not beautiful. We don't have any sunshine yet, and uh, it's especially bad because for the last week we've been, you know, in the in the mid 60s, you know, getting up there to 70 degrees, which is always a welcome change to us from the wintertime coldness. But uh, so this this drop back down into the low 40s has been rough for us, but uh, but we're gonna get through. I I can feel it. You know, my dogs are all itching to get out there and, and walk. I was telling my, my guests before we started recording here that I haven't been out of the house yet and need to get off my butt and start uh, start moving myself around here. Let's see, any big um, personal updates since last time we talked? Let's see here. I don't think there's too much going on, although my wife and I have been busy designing away at our fun new embroidery business that we're going to be doing. I'm really excited about it. It's just a little Etsy shop. You know, it's not it's not anything huge, but it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of, uh, you know, kind of queer centric uh, apparel on there. So it'll be a good time. I do want to give a big shout out and thank the show's sponsor, Rebecca Jonesy, who is a fiction author, a good friend of mine and a, and a big ally to the queer community. Uh, Rebecca heard the first few episodes of the show and, and said she really wanted to sponsor it so that she could make sure it keeps going. And um, I am forever in her debt uh, for that, or at least for a couple more months until the contract's up. And then I'm hoping that I'll go forever in her debt again, and she'll agree to pick up the show again here. Well, we have a great guest for you today that I'm really excited to talk to, Mr. Sudi Karatis. Sudi, how are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I've already lamented our weather, but you're out there in California. You said it was a little chilly this morning, too, right? Yeah, it was like 47 degrees. I went for a little walk earlier, but which for March, late March, it's that's kind of chilly, yeah, um, especially for California. So Yeah, well, and I just talked to a gentleman a few days ago who lives... Uh, down in Mexico, and I, I believe he lives on the, gosh, on the on the east side of Mexico, and he said that they were um, already over 100 degrees. I was like, oh, my God, that's that's too warm. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sudi, yeah. can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm, uh, I'm originally from the East Coast, uh, New York. I grew up in Long Island, and um, the, the, then I lived in New York City for like five, six years. I was kind of trying to do acting, although I went to college for marketing and business and um, hated it. No. <laughs> um, and then I took some classes at HG Studios in New York City and and then uh, um, kind of got into the Screen Actors Guild. I never did a lot of acting, just a little bit here and there and always did side jobs. But And then I moved out to California, like I guess 20, 2002. Um, and I thought to pursue more acting, but I ended up doing more, a lot more writing. And I tend to prefer that a lot more. That's my passion, writing. and. Um, you know, but uh, so, yeah, I've been I can't believe I've been on the East uh, West Coast now for, I guess, what, 19 years. Um, but I make it back to East Coast uh, at least once a year. And uh, I've never been to Michigan, but one day um, if you have nicer weather today it doesn't sound good. But uh, what else? I love music and stuff. I write. I, yeah, I do a lot of writing. I write songs. I write scripts. I wrote two books. I write um I kind of joke. I wrote everything, including a letter to Dear Abby once, which half the audience probably doesn't know who that is if they're because I'm, I'm old. So, <laughs> well, I know uh, I know who my, it is. I'm that old. Yeah, 
I sometimes will make a joke or a reference to something, and, I, and then I realize no one's going to get that. <laughs> well, um, was your letter to Dear Abby published? You know, it's funny. I, I actually, I don't think I wrote to Dear Abby. I honestly think I wrote to her sister, Ann Landers, and it was probably when I was like 17 or 18. And it was something, and this is like 40 years ago, whatever it was. Um, and it was probably a question along the lines that it was about something about, you know, because I was kind of realizing I might be gay and I didn't want to be. And I'm like, is there a way to change that or something like that? Or is there, a, I might have even asked, is there a pill or something that, that can change that? I never got a response, but I, I used to see kind of similar letters in, in there, I guess, a little bit. Um, in Dear Ann Landers and Dear Abby. I used to read those every Sunday in the paper. Those were um, those two uh, advice columnists for those in the audience that don't know who they were. They were twin sisters, but they didn't look alike. But they both were advice columnists. I don't know who would be the equivalent today of, you know, of what they did. I don't know because, I mean, they, most most things are online now, and, and there are a ton of bloggers that probably do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, it's... It's it's interesting, you know. Right off right off the gate here, you know, I usually start, you know, talking about lighthearted stuff. But you know, you you said something there, and you said it in a lighthearted way. You know, you you wrote in, and you you thought you were gay, and you you didn't want to be, so you wanted to know if there's a way you could get rid of it. And I think that that's something that a lot of queer identifying people go through in their life, and. Uh, <clears throat> When when I heard you say that, I heard uh, in the, in this, you may, if you haven't seen the movie, you definitely won't get this reference. But um, some of my my wife's favorite movies were the X Men movies with uh, Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart, and uh, in one of them there was a quote unquote cure for being a mutant, and uh, mutants could volunteer if they want to have their abilities taken away. And I think that the what the audience was supposed to get from that was that this was a bad thing and people shouldn't want to have that special thing taken away. But in reality, sometimes having something about us that's a little bit different can seem like a big burden and, and it can be really distressing, right? Yeah, you know, it's funny. It can be a burden, especially to also trying to hide it and give you a secret. It's very exhausting also. But it's, someone asked me, I went to a PFLAG meeting once when I was doing research for a book, my book, and um. Someone asked one of the parents, "What are, we always see these negative things about being gay. What are some positive things? And I just, I planned on just attending the meeting and not saying anything just to kind of find out more about PFLAG. But I found myself kind of answering the question, like, I think it makes you more uh, sensitive to other people, more accepting, more um, accepting of other cultures, uh, other people, and just genuinely, and this is, you know, generalization, obviously, but it just makes you more, because you're different, you're more accepting of other people who are as well. And so that was a positive thing. And I, I didn't even think of it till that moment, really. But um, but it is, yeah, if you something you don't feel is right, and then if you can't change it, you feel even worse. And then if you have people, again, this is going back years ago, 40 years ago, it's, it was much harder, even it wasn't as accepted. And there weren't people on TV and TV shows that were gay and where people could relate to it and stuff. And it is still hard for some people, and there are certain reasons why that is, too. I don't want to make it that, you know, I don't want to dismiss how kind of hard it is to come out or to be different. But um, so, yeah, that that's uh, – I, I think I half answered your question. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and, and there – the funny thing is there there really isn't – there really isn't one answer to it, you know. You know, 
being, you know, being different or, or being queer or, or having something about you that isn't like everyone else that you see, uh, whether it's in person or online or on television, if you're not seeing a lot of representation of, of who you feel you are, then then it is easy to feel like you're outside. And, and that's not a good feeling to feel like you're outside. Um, but thankfully, I think that we are, you know, at least compared to 20 or 30 years ago, we are a lot more inclusive and affirming as a society now. Um, and I think a lot of people know now that you can't change it. Some people still don't. And but when that did a lot of damage too. if people were told, oh, you can change it, you don't have to, you know, you can do, you know, whatever, what is that called? The, um, that again, some people still feel works or whatever they're all, you know, when you can change from and you can't. So it does a lot of damage when you're telling people they can or should change when they can't change that. Um, and a lot of it, religion plays some of that too, where I think, you know, there's yeah. a lot of issues because of that, but yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not, not all of it's, uh, not all of it's good stuff. But I think we're, we're hopefully heading in the right direction. And, okay. and, I have to say, you know, your your response when you went to the P flag meeting, you know, talking about, you know, being more sensitive to other people, and I'll tell you what, this is, uh, I don't even remember what episode we're on now, or forty five, forty six, somewhere in there. Uh, I hope it's not forty five because I hate that number. So oh, we're gonna we're gonna say this is forty six. Okay, we'll say this is forty six. Um, and you know, I've so I've I've really talked to a lot of people from the queer community, and you know, I'm. I'm on another show called Spilling Ink. That's a writing and publishing show, and I've t I've talked to, gosh, hundreds and hundreds of people on on there now, um, and it's a not not a show specifically about queer lifestyle or queer culture, um, and I have to say that being on this show and talking to people, it's a lot easier for me to form a connection with other people while I'm on this show because I feel like. So, so everybody that comes on the show is, is queer in, in some way or, or other. And I just, I feel like there is that kind of that greater understanding or a little bit more empathy for each other or, you know, more of a willingness to connect than someone that, you know, I just, I randomly start talking to on another show. And I think that that's kind of a, a special thing. And I, I've kind of called it the, uh, the queer magic effect, but um, I think it's just, you know, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just this kind of fun connection that you end up developing with people. Yeah. You know, it's funny. The word queer used to be like 40 years ago was more of a negative connotation to it. And um, I, part of me still feels like, you know, we never used that word back then. Or you, when you did, it was very derogatory. And and it's kind of last, what, maybe 10 years. It's they've kind of taken the word back, I guess. And and it's it's just means you know either gay or bisexual or transgender or whatever it means. But um, I think my generation from uh, way back then it's it's still getting used to that word a little bit, be, not being that you know uh, put that way. Yeah. I I understand. And if you if you'd rather I didn't use it with no you, no it's I fine. They won't. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's it's one of you know one of many reclaimed words that. Um, you know, that that's been happening. And and frankly, I, I love it, you know, taking the idea of something that used to be used to put us down and making it more of a, you know, a symbol of empowerment. Right. And I, and I kind of like that. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, right. I'm wandering, I'm wandering off here in a, <laughs> in a weird <laughs> direction. Um, but, so you, you said you've written, you write a lot. Writing is your passion. You've written a couple books. I've also talked to a couple of other guys that 
you know Jason Stewart and uh, Mitch Hara, and it it seems like you almost act kind of like as a as a publicist for for other people in the business huh. too. Well, if I have friends that have stuff out, um, you know, if they're because I was on Spilling Ink, but you were I think you were sick that day, so I didn't get to meet you then. But um, then I knew a couple other writers that I thought, oh, they would be good for that show. So, or if they're good for something, I try to recommend them, as I hope they would do the same with me. But if I, you know, if they're a good friend and I think you feel they have something that's good out, you know, and Jason Stewart is, he was actually in my movie, Welcome Out My Pradas. And he was, I also interviewed him in my book, Rainbow Relatives, which is on speaking to kids about LGBTQ family and friends. Actually, Mitch Harry, I also mentioned, oh, no, I mentioned Mitch in my book, How Catering Sucked the Life Right Out of Me, because he used to be in charge of Sony's and at catering there, and I used to work there sometimes. So I know him for many years. So both of them are very funny. And But yeah, if I if they're in something, I, I like to help promote, you know, or help, I, yeah, I don't, I guess I'm, I mean, I, I'm my own publicist for my own stuff, and then I guess if I if I can help other, oh, and Cody Reniger was on your show, Spilling Ink, which is a friend of mine, and his book is uh, Changing the Stars, and I helped him with that quite a bit, so I'm trying to help him. Yeah, so I, I think it's just the right thing to do, especially if you, you know, have um, friends that are in, in the, in the business, it's it's hard enough to do stuff. So if you have people kind of helping you out and, to, you know, people get tired of the person touting their own, you know, uh, stuff. So it's good to have other people, you know, tuning your horn instead of just, you know, um, you know. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, you, you know, and, and I think that many people don't don't realize that, you know, uh, actors and, and artists and, and authors, um, the reason why we're posting so much about our stuff is, is because we... We don't have some big publishing or advertising firm to to do that kind of stuff for us, and and even authors that that are writing for big five publishers, most of them don't have a an advertising budget that's being thrown at them. So we have to talk about our our own work and having friends that will help us, like like what you're doing for your friends, and hopefully what what they're doing for you is so important because you know if if uh, you know if you know, Jay Lavelle says, you know, yeah, my, my new book uh, came out this week, you know, check it out, you know, blah, blah, blah. I think you're going to love it. That's great. And I reach my, you know, 400 or whatever social right. media contacts, contacts. But then if Sudi says it as well, then all of a sudden I'm, I'm reaching Sudi's friends as well. And, and, and Jason's and Mitch Harris, and it's just, you know, it's, it's a great big network. And, and if we can help each other, I mean, it really means that we're all going to be better off in the end. Right. So well, so tell me about your books. Um, yeah, the first one came out maybe three or four years ago, called Rainbow Relatives, and I had a, got a publisher for that, which was cool, and um, uh, uh, Skyhorse Publishing. And the idea for that book came about when I was talking to my sister. Her kids were kind of young; I think they were between two and eight years old. And I so I had asked her, "Hey, do your kids know about my orientation?" And she said, I think so. I'm not sure. Um, I don't know how to approach that, really. And she goes, I wish there was a book on that. I was like, wow, that's a good idea. And I, I love to write, so maybe I'll do that. And I just ended up, you know, the first chapter ended up being about coming out to nieces and nephews. And I started interviewing people on how they did that and uncles and aunts. And, and then one subject would lead to another, like there's kids who's had a parent who turned out to be gay. So I interviewed people who had stories. So it's all real stories and advice from people on different subjects. Uh, a lot of kids now have two moms and two dads, so there's a whole chapter on that. Um, there's a whole chapter on religion, because that's and that one's called "Pray the Gay Bashers Away." <laughs> um, <laughs> I it, love it. The book is with a sense of humor, 
but there's serious, you know, things in it like bullying and, and things like that as well. But I, I try to, I think humor is very important. So a lot of the stories are kind of funny. And um, there's a transgender chapter, which I think it's called Kids, Your Father. Well, she has something to tell you. So it's not to take it too lightly, but, I, you know, again, you kind of have to laugh at certain things. And that way you get people's attention with the humor. And then they're going to learn more or want to read it and have more interest. So that I, it took me like five years to write that one. And I interviewed a lot of people, like even some famous people like Del Shores, who did a Sorted Lives movie, and Shelley Wright, the country singer who came out. And um, so it was a fun book. That was just kind of a fun chapter, a celebrity thoughts chapter. Um, who else? I forgot who else. And then Leslie Newman, who wrote a, like a bunch of LGBTQ books that are good to read to kids. And she was one of the first people I interviewed. She had a book, Heather Has Two Mommies, years ago. And my other sister told me about that. So I contacted her and yeah, so it was, um, a lot of work, but it was, I feel like it's helping people and, um, yeah, it's called rainbow relatives. And then in parentheses, real world stories and advice on how to talk to kids about LGBTQ families and friends. I can almost say that in one breath, but I can't, um, <laughs> well, and so I, yeah, just, so I, <laughs> I, I just have to say that that idea, this, this book is so, so damn important because if if we're able to talk to our children at a young age and make them aware that you know the world might not be just what you've seen in, in front of you, that there's more out there and that there are these different sexualities and, and different identities, that is extremely important. And it's so good for kids, not just for interacting with their with their relatives, but for interacting with other kids on the playground or other kids right. at school, you know, just learning how to be a, you know, a, a good person who isn't bigoted and, and who has a, a little bit of knowledge about the situation. I think that that is just phenomenal. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I, I um, yeah, again, it's, I, I just put the stuff out and see what happens with it. And um, I, but I had, I just, that, something really drew me to write that and just keep writing it and get it out there, um, whether five people got it or 20 people or whatever. Um, and like I said, I went, I learned a lot about organizations like PFLAG and Gilson. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And there's a pop luck club here in California, which is for two dad families and stuff. So it was really a good learning experience for me, even just researching to, to, you know, write the book and stuff. Um, and then, and I just write whatever. Yeah. I usually, I, I didn't, that was my first book. I don't usually write books. I write scripts and and songs and all that kind of stuff. But, um, and then my second book I wrote last year during the pandemic, mostly, <laughs> um, I've done catering for like 25 plus years on, in New York and in California. And there's just so many stories and wacky things and, uh, things that guests do and things that the, uh, caterers sometimes do that drive you up the wall. So again, some, some of that was just therapy and putting it down and I didn't even know if I would release it, but I, I yeah, I called it how catering sucked the life right out of me. And again, that's just more of a lighthearted, fun book. And if people have ever done catering or if they've been to a catered event, they'll find it amusing, some of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And then, you know, sometimes we run into celebrities, which is cool. And um, it wasn't all bad, obviously. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done it for so long. But uh, so that's more of like a fun, you know, we need laughter these days. So that one has quite a few uh, laughs in it. So it's that one's not going to change lives or anything, but it's, it's just an enjoyable uh, read. Although it'll make... You know, I guess caterers' lives easier because it gives a list of things not to do, things not to do at catered events, or things that drive the caterer up the wall. And then there's some caterers that are just awful the way they treat their employees. So I don't mention those names by them by name, but um, 
but some of those stories are pretty, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just love, I, um, I don't know what my next book will be. And we'll have to, I do have a, no, I do know, actually, I, I can't say too much about it, but, uh, oh, bummer. <laughs> bummer. it's, well, it's, it's I, well, I can say it's, it's a gift humor book for pet lovers and it'd be a calendar also. I'll, I'll, I'll say that much, but is it, is uh, it going to be you shirtless holding different animals? <laughs> No. Well, are you asking that because you see my Alexa posts on Facebook where I, I ask a question shirtless? <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, yeah, I don't actually, none of my books, I don't think have pictures in them. Um, oh, that one will. That'll have illustrations. Yeah, I have a great illustrator doing because it's more of a gift humor book thing. So it's, that is part of the thing. But yeah, no pictures of me though. Uh, yeah, I can't get away <laughs> anymore. <laughs> well, well, do you think you could indulge us with uh, one of your stories from your uh, from your catering days? Just something interesting that happened. Well, one of them pops in my mind because it was just so absurd the amount of money spent. Um, it was a here in California. It was a five million dollar birthday party for three year old twins. And I mean, he, they could have funded five of my movies for that. So, like, did you say you five know, million? Yes, and it was a two-day event. They had you know one day for the one twin, then the other day for the other twin. Each day had a different theme. The first day was uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So they literally had like a chocolate river put in the. They, they bought a house just for the bought, not rented, for this <laughs> event. Then they put this chocolate river in the backyard. There was three swimming pools where they had synchronized swimmers in, in the pools. They had $50,000 jars of caviar on each table. Um, I don't believe that. You're they, pulling my they, leg, aren't you? No, no. They hired little people to be the Oompa Loompas. The next day, the little people were the seven dwarfs because that was the theme for the next day, so, um, Snow White. I mean, and the flowers, you know, $100,000 in flowers. And I, But for three-year-old kids who aren't even going to remember this. And so that one sticks in my mind the most. Um course i don't even like caviar but in the back we all snuck a little face of that fifty thousand dollar caviar and um well, so yeah this <laughs> yeah um so that was that was fun and then i mean you know it's funny i do talk about some of the nightmares or fluster cucks as i call them in the book and and those are um you know i'd, I'd like to be and even those i have there's a sense of humor too you have to laugh at stuff but um, but that that one pops into mind is, uh, you know, just I worked weddings, bar mitzvahs, one wedding, the groom didn't show that morning, but the bride went ahead and had a great party because everything was paid for. So that was kind of interesting. <laughs> but uh, what a good way to what a good way to do it. <laughs> to yeah, just, no. just have a party anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, it's paid for because you can't get your money back. You can't get deposit back on the day of the event. You know, the wedding was supposed to be that day. So, um, you know, when the caterers hired their workers, they made the food they've done the you know so um yeah I'm, there's a lot i'm trying to think what other there's just some well, some <laughs> and most people we work for are very nice but there's the few that just that's that's what really made me write the book you know well uh, my, my wife is a is a professional wedding photographer and she's oh. you know there and there are a lot of wedding photographers but she's you know she's been around long enough and made enough of a name for herself that she's one of the She's one of the 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 top ladies here in in uh, West Michigan, and so we've we've done a lot of weddings together. You know, I you know I went to school for photography, and so I've been to a, a number of weddings with her. And I think that we've had mostly that same experience, where for the most part, the people that you work for are great, and you have a lot of good experiences, a lot of normal everyday working experiences, but. Every once in a while, there's just something that's like, holy shit. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, you didn't tell me we could curse on your show. I've been like being really good here. <laughs> <laughs> well, the okay. Well, I so I will let me give you the ground rules. There, I'm pretty, I'm pretty tolerant of everything except for Nazis. So as long as as long as you're not a Nazi, you could get away with just about anything on the show. <laughs> Uh, so I, I'm still I'm stuck on this five million dollar party. I mean, this is I mean, that's I mean, one million is more money than I'm going to make in my life lifetime. Uh, five million. That's like yeah. Kardashian West type yeah. stuff there. Yeah. I think the, and I think they were uh, I think they were from Russia, actually. And I think they owned a lot of the media in Russia or something. They just that's, they got their money from somewhere. I don't know. I, you know, it's funny when I work things like that or we work in houses where it's so expensive. I'm like, what, you know, what am I doing wrong? And then I'm like, no, no, wait a minute. What are they doing wrong? Cause yeah, well, to make yeah. this much money, you gotta do something <laughs> wrong. Well, I worked in a lot of cool houses, like Quincy Jones house and even Tom Cruise's house and stuff. But, um, so that, that part was kind of interesting. Oh, that was funny. And I don't even know if we, I mean, I'm not saying anything bad, so I don't, but he, all I had to do was stand in the room with the, the uh, desserts and in front of the dessert table. And it was like, you know, um, Alan was in that room and Oprah and Jamie Foxx and a few other people. And this was a few months after Tom Cruise had jumped on Oprah's couch on her show. So I was dying to go up to Oprah and say, you know, I know he jumped on your couch, but please don't jump on his couch. But I didn't dare. I didn't know if she'd find it funny or just have me removed from the party. So <laughs> you'd be you'd be disappeared somewhere. <laughs> I, I don't know. But, uh, you know. Well, so it, it sounds like you are. OK, I don't know if there's a normal catering but this doesn't sound like uh the type of catering that the the companies around uh around town here where i live do i mean you're 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 working with celebrities now and now and again how 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 did you end up in that kind of position well it's because i work catered in new york and la you just tend to have more of those kind of parties this you know uh, this everything from movie premieres to um just house parties i, I worked in uh from Everybody That Loves Raymond, they played Amy, and she was such a sweetheart. She was one of the nicest people. Um, so you just never know where you're going to be working, and they just, you know, send you, you know, to where. So it's not always celebrities, but a lot of times we work some of the Oscar parties, which are not exciting at all. People think, oh, that must be so much fun. No, it's annoying, and it's just, you know, it's fun to be a guest at it, I'm sure, but not to work it. Um, but, yeah, so I guess other states, you're right, really don't. So in some ways, the book is good because it gives people an inside look into that kind of thing, some behind. And of course, you know, if I'm a lot of the celebrities are very nice too, so I I'll use their real names. If they weren't or there was a problem, I don't use their real name in the book. There's a few people I say, okay, this person, um, I'm going to tell a little bit, but without telling who it is. But um, but those are kind of interesting, just to. Uh, and one of the coolest parties I oh, I worked was a uh, we were setting up a room for Australia Week, I guess, and we we're putting the silverware on the tables and. I hear the band kind of rehearsing a little bit. And then I hear a woman singing, let's get physical, physical. I'm like, wow, she sounds a lot like Olivia Newton-John. And I turn around and there's Olivia Newton-John in, in her t-shirt you know, t and jeans and just rehearsing with the band. And she was the entertainment that night. So got to see her rehearse. And, and she's one of my favorites. So Dolly Parton is my favorite. Olivia's second. Um, but um, so that was really cool. And then when she sang like six or seven songs, that evening, which I don't think technically we were supposed to be in the room at that time, but I snuck in and watched it. But uh, so, you know, those those things are really fun to, to see that. But and, uh, you, you know, something really um, again, one time I was serving hors d'oeuvres and I came up to Tom Arnold, which was embarrassing. And this is why, like three months before that, I written and produced a movie 
that he was in. And so here I am like three months later and serving hors d'oeuvres kind of. And I'm, I'm like, well, until the movie comes out and makes money, here I am. And he was cute. Oh, yeah, no, you're doing what you got to do. And he was really cool. But I couldn't help. Not that I should have been embarrassed. I'm just doing a job and whatever. But it was just kind of like, anyway, he was really nice, though. And uh, he, the, the movie was, yeah, Welcome All My Pradas. And he played the boss of the main guy. And he was he did uh, some improv in it. And, and was we had him for two days. But it looks like he was in the movie for like two weeks because we <laughs> 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 Well, my my Tom Arnold, uh, you know, my my favorite Tom Arnold movie, and and he may hate me for this because it was so long ago, but was actually a True Lies with Arnold oh, sure. Schwarzenegger. <laughs> he was he was so great. He was like the perfect character. Well, that was a huge movie too. In fact, that was on TV the other night uh, or a few weeks ago on I think AMC or something. I was flipping through the channels and. So yeah, I mean that was probably his biggest, one of his biggest movies. So yeah, no, that it was it was great. My wife won't watch it with me. She doesn't. She does, she calls them quote unquote boy movies, um, you know, where it's just all uh, action, actiony uh, stuff. But you know, it, it was just great because there was a ton of humor in that movie too. And yeah, and I and I and I kind of like that with everything. You know, you know, we're, you were kind of talking about uh, Rainbow Relatives and and how you know there's humor in it too, and and you've you've got to laugh at stuff. And I think that that's really important especially when you're dealing with kind of a heavier subject matter or a subject matter that could be heavier you know right. adding a little bit of levity boy that makes all the difference right there yeah so tell me about tell me about this script writing and, and producing that you're doing because that sounds fascinating yeah I, and again i never thought i would write a full script I, when i lived in new york um I, I sometimes wrote these little sketches and stuff and i wrote i've been writing songs since i was like 14 but to write a whole script. But when I came out to L.A., I wrote uh, Walk a Mile on My Pradas, actually and rewrote it and rewrote it. And then we um, we decided to produce it ourselves. We got Dee Wallace and uh, Nathaniel Marston and Bruce Valanche in it. And so it was, again, took like seven years to do everything I do takes like several years to do. But um, but I, so I did that. And then I kept writing in the meantime, other scripts, I just whatever ideas come um, and a one or two almost got made, but they didn't. But one day they will. And I have another one called Charlie's Dream, which is a family uh, inspirational film uh, that Jolie Fisher is going to direct. And um, I'm hoping to get Dolly Parton in that. And we have some letters in Tampa. Oh, my Olympia. God. That would be amazing. Well, yeah. And um, even Olympia Dukakis and John Schneider gave us letters in tent and stuff. So, But, it's again, it's hard to get the money and all that. So it's And now there's a pandemic, so that's, that's really throwing a wrench and everything but i love writing so i have like 12 at least 12 feature film scripts written a couple pilots that are gathering dust as hollywood makes remakes and sequels so <laughs> okay okay well and i have a question for you and this might be boring for people who are who are listening but um it's a it's a writer question so when we're writing when we're writing novel um you know you're you've got all sorts of description and and things like that when you're writing a script are you writing it more like you're you're writing a, a play where you've got stage cues and stuff like that, or are you still writing the whole story? How does it work? Well, you don't write the stage cues and things yet. That when you're doing the shooting script, they'll add the camera and, and the angles and the certain things for the script. You, you're writing the actions and the dialogue. Um, Final Draft is a great uh, software for anyone that wants to write a script. It, it helps put it in the format and all that stuff. Because I knew nothing about any of that, and so that helped when I moved out here and I took some uh, workshops and stuff that helped and I co-wrote with other people which helped but the what was your question on it was um well I was just more wondering you know how it's how it's set up oh, you know I mean yeah. when 
when when I'm writing a when I'm working on a book, I kind of you know, I, I see the stuff like movie scenes and then I'm just trying to describe what I saw there. But, you know, writing a writing a script, it seems like it might be a little different. It is. And you in a book, you can tell more what the what the person is thinking and stuff. You can't you can't tell that in the script. You have to show it or um, or they or through the dialogue or through the actions and stuff. Um, so and a play is more di- usually more dialogue. Whereas a, a screenplay for a film is more of the actions and stuff, but there there can be a lot of dialogue as well. Um, uh, but you want to show more than tell, I guess, in in a movie. Um, otherwise, you would read the book, you know. And a book, it's funny. A books can leave more to the imagination, I think, too, even or different, you know. So I think it's a little more specific, maybe, uh, in scripts. So yeah, but you do have the actions, you have the dialogue. Um, but you don't have to say the camera pans up to this or that, you know, that would be in the shooting script that comes kind of later. Okay. Oh, interesting. That'd be fun. And I don't think I've ever read a a screenplay. Um, And I I think that that would be interesting because I I think it would be fun to to play around with something like that. Do you know, is it pretty, is it as labor intensive as, you know, doing something like writing a a novel or a nonfiction book, or is it a different kind of work? You know, it's, um, I think in some ways similar, um, you know, it's funny, I think it's harder to read a script than a book for people, um, because it's just the format of it and you're reading certain actions and then the dialogue and the different characters, it's just a little more people. And then that some scripts do have those directions in it, which make it even more, that's just boring and you got to get through that. And so I think, um, and as far as writing, I never wrote a fiction book, so I, I don't know how to answer that, but for the nonfiction, it's. It's a little different, but I'm trying to think how both require rewriting, a lot of rewriting, obviously, in any kind of writing, I would imagine, um, which a lot of people don't get, especially if they're new writers or they, they think, oh, I want to write a book. They don't realize they, you know, it's not just you write it and you're done. You know, you're going to rework that sucker <laughs> quite a few times. Um, and it's good to put it down for a while and come back to it. Um, so you're more objective reading it. So you say, oh, wait, why was this isn't this doesn't even make sense now or I could make this funnier or. But, um, yeah, I'm trying to think what are the exact differences, though, of um, for a screenplay and a, a book. Um, I mean, they're both roughly seven years, right, you said? Well, that's fine. <laughs> they just happen to take. I mean, because, like, with the one book, I was doing the interviews, and I had other things I was doing. So I would kind of go back to it and then have to stop and then come back. And then it took a year to get up or a, well, at least several months to get a literary agent and then almost another year to get a publisher. And then it takes them, like, a year to do all their stuff and get it out and all that stuff. So the first book I got was published and the second book I, I self-published. So I've kind of done both, which is kind of cool. So Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting experience. And either way you're doing it, you're just doing a, a ton of work. You know, that, that initial when you're, when you're first writing the story, I, I think that is the most fun because you're kind of, you're discovering things as you write. So you're energized and you're really happy about it. And so the, the the book I'm trying to finish now um, has been written, but you know now that we're on to the fifth or sixth revision, whatever it is, it's kind of like God. I don't even want I don't even want to look at this thing anymore right, right now because you work you've worked so long on it. it. Exactly, yeah. And the rewriting, it's like it's more work on the rewriting sometimes too. And it's like and sometimes when you change one thing, that changes something else. You got to go back and you know that other thing doesn't make sense now. So. Um, that happens sometimes too. Yeah, it can be a bit of a it can be a bit of a puzzle, but 
but it's it's cool and and you know you you had said that uh -oh. you know writing writing Are you is... there? oh can you hear me did i lose you uh oh i think i might have lost you hello hello can you hear me hello 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 can you hear me uh oh hello hello i can hear you oh we're back i i'm not oh, okay i don't know what happened yeah i i didn't hear you for like two minutes. Oh, that's welcome so... to live radio, people. Oh, welcome to live radio, <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> and then I heard you. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? And I was saying yes, yes, yes. I, it was like in that movie. Uh, what is it? Sound of Metal. The guy yeah. was going down. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you saw that, but uh, I, I I haven't seen that movie, but I I could imagine. I try to make current references once in a while too. So, but sometimes <laughs> they're too current. Nobody's seen it yet, so. <laughs> <laughs> we had to watch it for Screen Actors Guild, so it was a good movie. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The Sound of Metal. Yeah. Oh wait, is is that with down. the uh, the? Oh my gosh, I've I've been wanting to to see that guy. The he's a drummer who loses his hearing, right? Exactly. Yeah, and I forget the guy's uh, actor's name. Oh, um, he's brilliant though. He was in uh, yeah. He was in the Star Wars movie, uh, Rogue Rogue One, I think. Oh, I saw that, but I didn't remember. He yeah, was he was that. he was the pilot. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, he's he's very good in this. Yeah, so. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm definitely gonna have to to watch that. Yeah, it looks like it's it looks like it's gonna be pretty intense. Is it pretty intense? Yeah, yeah. It was and it was interesting. It makes you think a little bit and okay. things like that make you appreciate things. You know, I think a lot of times we don't appreciate. And I, you know, I sometimes I write songs too that kind of do that. That I hope make people appreciate certain what they have and and we take so many things for granted, um, and uh, you know. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, I I read a a story, and this was years ago. It was about uh, it, it it was heartbreaking. It, I, I do not recommend finding this article, but uh, it was in a photography magazine, and it was about a, an older uh, photographer who ended up losing his sight. Um, and it was just this heartbreaking story because you know that's one of those things. You know, if you're if you're passionate about photography, passionate about photography or or uh, art that losing um your ability to to see is is really quite devastating but uh yeah i can't imagine like i love music so if i that would be like oh that'd be like one of the worst things you know to happen is yeah. lose hearing well and so and so you write songs that may you really do everything you you write songs too are, are you are you performing these songs or do you write them and, uh, and other people perform them other people, not as many other people as I'd like, but I mean, I sing a little bit. I can carry a tune if it's not too heavy, but so sometimes I'll sing on the demos or whatever, but um, I wrote, I actually, I had written a Christmas song called Midnight Will Be Clear and I did a video to it a couple years ago and then one of the guys in the video loved the song and when he recorded his Christmas CD in Nashville, he included that song on his album and he released it as a single this past Christmas, so that was cool. Um, and yeah, a lot of them, again, same with my scripts. <laughs> written a lot of them and they're sitting here but hopefully they'll be recorded i actually there's a song i wrote called all kinds of love with and i wrote with paul rolnick i co-wrote that and that's at the end of my movie welcome on my proud is in the credits and karen mason sings it she's been on broadway and many shows and stuff but um so not a lot of them people have heard but i did videos to some christmas songs like all i want for christmas is some sleep uh, a couple <laughs> years back and we made a funny video to that so but the goal is yeah to have other artists Recorded um, a guy named uh, Patrick Basile. Um, I wrote lyrics to three of his songs that he did the music, and he put those on his CD, and we did a video to one of those. So, yeah, I don't feel confident enough in my singing to put my own CD out, um, although with auto-tune, it shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> um, 
but uh, yeah, I, I um, and I just co-wrote a song with David Sanchez. That's almost a it's a homage to Donna Summer, and it's kind of got a retro feel to it, and uh, really cool. So I think something may happen with that. I have a good feeling about that one, but um, so, yeah, I and I I write most a lot of country. I write music, and then other kind of um, okay. Well, just so I'm I'm picturing you you know, they're in your, in your house in California and you've kind of got this, you know, you, you've got your, your catalog of, of scripts and, uh, and of songs that you've written. What do you do when you have that, when you have that personal catalog, how do you then pitch that to people? Is there, is there some kind of database where people can go in and look at songs, you know, artists can go in and kind of pick what they want or how does it all work? For songs, you know, it's fine. I thought you would, when you said, I thought you were going to say for the scripts, because this thing called Ink Tip, where a lot of producers and companies are looking for different kinds of scripts. So you can, based on that, submit stuff. And I do that with the scripts. For songs, um, I belong to NSAI, National Songwriters Association, Inc. I'm actually a coordinator for them, where we do songwriting workshops and things like that. And that can lead to maybe being able to pitch to some publishers and things like that. There are some services, I mean, I think like Taxi and other things where they tell you what certain companies or artists that they can't name are looking for. It's hard, though. I mean, it's, you know, if you hear, you know, obviously, if you can get it directly to that artist that's looking for something, that's the, but, you know, it's hard to do that. Or if you're connected with a, a publisher, I don't have a, a publisher. I did have many, many years ago for a few songs, but nothing happened. Um, but the publisher is the one that usually gets it to different artists and stuff. And, um, but yeah, and it's, I'm trying to think what other ways, again, if you hear of someone, yeah, are you still there? Did I, I didn't lose you again, did I? I don't, I don't think so. Oh, Can good. you still hear me? Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's just so quiet. I mean, <laughs> I must have, maybe the internet went out, went out before that's what happened. But so yeah, it's, uh, that's the hardest part is just how to get it to these artists and, um, you know, it's funny. There's a new Olivia Newton-John song with her daughter out that called "Window to the Wo Window on the Wall," and it's a beautiful song. She just recorded it with her daughter, and they released it. And for the, it really fits the times. But she was saying how she got that song. Someone, someone she knew from her cancer center, some her cousin had written a song and said, "Oh, I would love you to listen to it." And Olivia's like, "Okay," and she's thinking, "I don't want to have the heart to tell her that the yeah. song's probably no good." <laughs> And she listened to it and loved it and recorded it, you know. So oh you gosh. never know, I guess, how to get something recorded or sometimes <laughs> you have to be unconventional. I mean, I've tried to get tapes that, you know, if a singer was having a book signing, <laughs> like Tanya Tucker, the country singer years ago, I remember she had one. I brought one of my cassettes. Back then it was a cassette with songs on it. And she did take it. I was surprised. But, um, yeah, you got to be creative, I guess. And But there's more professional ways of doing it uh well but but like you you said you know it, it's better if you know somebody and and i think that's true in a, in a lot of business it's you know not what you know not it's who you know or being in the right place at the at the right time you know that that kind of idea um yeah, yeah but you've got you've got a lot of really cool friends and it, it seems like you you all work to raise each other up and and i think that that's that's an amazing thing um no, it, it is. It's yeah. You need that. They used to have what they call like mastermind groups, and I guess they still do. I but um, you know, we, which I should kind of bring back that we used to get a group of friends together, and you would help each other and go over goals and things like that once every two weeks. Of course, everything's on Zoom now, I guess. So, but um, yeah, it's good to have that because you need that. Um, yeah, for sure. No, I 
I agree. And, and I think that's, you know, for, for all its faults, I think that that's one thing that social media has, has definitely made easier for us is, is to connect with friends and to, to try to lift each other up in that way. And, and it's just, it's such an important thing. And, and I hope that we can all re- remember that if you have a friend who is an artist or owns a small business, anything like that, you know, talk about them, you know, buy their stuff and talk about them, help them out because man, they're, they're working hard. And leave, and leave good reviews on Amazon. Like, yeah, the book is on Amazon. So I always tell people, if you get the book, you know, please leave a review because those help too, because people see those and, um, that's a good way to support friends on whatever project they have. If you can leave a review somewhere, um, or do a Facebook post, hold you holding their book or their movie or their CD or whatever it is. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. Or get on a podcast and talk about your friend's stuff. That's, that's great too. Podcasters. We always love that. <laughs> <laughs> Which you just reminded me, I, I mentioned the guy that recorded my song, but I don't know if I said his name, Adrian Christian. If I didn't, I want to make sure I just realized um, you're talking about supporting friends. And I'm thinking, shoot, I didn't say what his name was, but if, I might have. I just maybe didn't know. But um, yeah, he uh, did the Christmas song. But I, yeah. Oh, that's really cool. That's really cool. Well, I Hopefully some more, some more of your songs and scripts will sell and, and we'll get to see more of your artwork. That'll be really cool. Well, do you have any uh, projects that are are ready right now that that people could go out there and buy and, and check out? No, the only I mean the one the the book How Catering Sucked the Life Right Out of Me came out in November. Um, I actually got COVID in December, so I couldn't do much uh, promoting for like a month and a half. Um, so that's on Amazon. It's in Barnes and Noble, Calabasas, and a few others online. Barnes and Noble, and um, so I don't as far. Oh, and they can watch. On Amazon Prime, Welcome on My Pradas, which, you know, we did a long time ago, but that's on there now and it's free if you have people have Amazon Prime. That's the one, yeah, with Tom Arnold in it. Um, and hopefully I'll have new, yeah, new songs coming out and stuff or some. I always have, yeah, stuff that I'm doing or writing or whatever, but it's it doesn't necessarily mean people will be able to see it anytime soon. But And hopefully that other book, the Gift Humor book, I'm will be finishing in the next couple months and... I'll let people know about that. And I'm excited about that because it's a really good concept. And um, I think pet lovers will like it and just people with a good sense of humor. Um, so, but I think that's it. Yeah, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, I think that's all I can say that's. Um, and you have a website that people can check out your stuff? Yes, uh, www.sudirick.com. Sudi is my legal name. I go by Rick because Sudi is too common. No, um, <laughs> so for Gemini, I need two names. No, but so it's S U D I R I C K. Dot com. Um, so yeah, a lot, my actual a lot of my songs are on there, um, and some clips of my videos on oh YouTube channel. I have Sudi Rick, which has some wacky sketches and stuff on there, um, so they can watch those as well. That sounds awesome. Well, and I'll make sure that your your website's in the episode description here. That way, people can just uh, click on it and go check it out. And uh, well, Sudi, it's been it's been great talking to you. Thanks for thanks. Yeah, on. you make it very easy just to have a conversation and. Um, you know, I, I, the time just flew right by. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. I, you know, it's it's my nightmare that somebody will be saying, "Boy, that felt like it took three hours." I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had that yet, so hopefully, I don't run into it. No, um, you. I mean, I know what you're doing. So, uh, um, thank yeah. you, thank you, and Rebecca Jonesy. I know you're out there listening somewhere, sometime. Thank you so much for sponsoring the show. Um, I really appreciate you keeping it going. You know, I. You know, since since I had COVID, I haven't uh, been able to work for uh, for months now. Hopefully, that'll be changing soon. But uh, but yeah, you've made it uh, so that I don't have to worry about the financial burden of of running this. So um, I really appreciate you and uh, and 
Rebecca's link will be in the show notes as well. And for everyone out there listening, thank you so much for being here with me. As always, if you hear something you like or if you just want to chat with me, shoot me a message. I'm, I'm always happy to respond. Um, and until the next show, stay safe and stay strong. Mm-hmm.